Here's what's coming up on today's show. My entire team, whether from our operations staff to our advisory team, that's their focus is to make sure that we can keep our clients doing the things that they want to do. And we want to be able to fulfill those promises. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. It's another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you all across the country, based out of the KC metro area. Find us online at listentoscott.com, where Scott imparts his 21 or 22-plus years of experience in the financial planning realm on uh, lots of great episodes. And we've got another good topic of conversation today. We're going to be talking about the four stages of retirement. We love to do this in retirement planning conversations, right, Scott? We always try and break things down into the three things you need to know about X or the five tips of this and that the three buckets of, of money or whatever the case may be. So it helps the brain. We talk about psychology here on the show all the time, right? It helps to kind of put these things into numbers that we can kind of grasp and hold on to, right? Absolutely. And that's why we today we're going to talk about the four stages <laughs> of retirement. And so it should be good because it's coming from uh, an author and a researcher, Ken Dykewald. He's been doing this way longer than I have. And uh, he's the founder and CEO of, of AgeWave. So they're, they're a researcher on aging and financial habits in America. And so really great stuff. He's, he's just been around a long time. And so when he has information that comes out, I like to definitely keep up to date. Um, but the latest data gathering analysis, and this was uh, conducted uh, with Harris Polls, took a, an approach to the life phase called retirement and the longevity and the new journey of retirement. And really out of this came the four sub-phases that require different approaches to client portfolio management. So we're looking at different, uh, kind of both the financial impacts of the four phases and then sort of like physically the four phases that we sort of go through in retirement, like the the time span of those phases? Exactly, exactly. All right, gotcha. And, you know, with a lot of people about retirement, they talk about it like it's a light switch. Hmm. Like you you flip the switch and you're retired. And like, oh, you're not retired and now you are. You know, you're like you're a different person. And out of this study, I uh, found that there's actually different stages. And we'll kind of kind of expand on that today to give you a better, better insight to that on it. So the first phase, which actually accounts for the 10 years before retirement, it's called the anticipation phase. And it's marked by optimism and excitement over the prospect of retiring with some anxiety over financial readiness. So this is where people may feel they need guidance to know all their options. And in fact, this is the period in which financial advice is the most sought. Uh, most people find us, uh, especially in the early days, uh, they would come to one of our you know, retirement planning classes at a university or a college um, because they were within range of retirement, you know, five to 10 years out. And so that's where people are saying, hey, am I going to be okay? Hey, we're, we're building some money up in our, in our plan. This is becoming a big deal. Maybe I need some guidance so we don't make mistakes. Or if it's right now, when the, you know, the markets have pulled back, you know, recalibrating, 
There's people out there working, looking at their 401k and saying, gosh, am I going to be able to retire? Am I off track? And so we're seeing a lot of people reach out for guidance in that respect. So that anticipation phase, again, is the first, you know, 10 years before retirement. So that's, if you're in that area, um, definitely reach out. We'd love to, to walk you through our process. But then as we make that decision, we make that transition, then we go into the second phase of retirement, uh, which runs from the day after retirement to two years past retirement. And so this is the liberation disorientation phase. So you're <laughs> liberated. Sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I don't have to go to work, but what do I do with my time? You know, what do I do with all these hours uh, that I'm going to get back in my life? And what am I going to do when I don't have people reporting to me and asking for your opinion or advice or direction? And so here, newly transitioned retirees are excited about new freedoms and, again, that luxury of time. But they're also uncertain about how to spend their time and money. And in this study, some 25% of retirees in this phase consider themselves semi-retired and actually may still work. And so they may not be ready to flip the switch all the way off or, you know, of retirement. It's more like a dimmer. They're going to turn it halfway down. They're not going to work 40 hours a week. They're going to work 32. You know, they're going to work, you know, part time. And so that's really that two year phase after you say, I'm leaving work. Um, but again, a portion of those folks say, you know, I still kind of want to stay engaged and maybe ride off in sunset a little bit slower. Sounds like it makes a lot of sense. It's been interesting to watch a couple of family members go through that first phase, that anticipation phase, and then also in that liberation disorientation phase. And uh, this seems pretty accurate so far, Scott, I would have to say, just anecdotally from watching family members go through this phase. Oh, spot on. When I was reading through this the first time, I'm like, I know a lot of our clients, I've watched them go through this journey. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting to see it. So it sounds like so far you you kind of like where this article is is going and kind of what they're the conclusions that they're drawing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and and so if you go that that first two years, then you're into the third phase, which is year three to around fourteen, and this is where retirees are in the reinvention phase, which this is really the heart of retirement. Now is when retirees do the most; they explore the most. And family is a growing pleasure for most, not all. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Uh, health, however, becomes more of a concern and a focus for a lot of people. And this is where retirees learn to shift their mindset from accumulation of assets to distribution and conservation. And you know, if, if someone has won the game, meaning they've they've amassed enough money uh, in their retirement portfolio that if they just conserved it and grew it respectfully, it would provide the income they need for the rest of their life. And so that's a, also a big psychological shift uh, in that respect. And so, again, this is a big deal, and it's the major first-time-in-life question of how do I shift from trying to accumulate to distributing? And it's not just an economic thing. It's a psychological thing. And if you've been getting a paycheck your entire life. How do you live on a lump sum? How do you turn that lump sum into that paycheck? And how do you know inflation is going to eat away what you have? Or how do you feel about spending money not knowing how long you're going to live? Those are real questions that people have to face 
And those are questions that people talk about when they're in this phase. And this really has been our focus, my focus for 20 plus years. I wanted to serve the people that were getting very close to retirement or were squarely in retirement because I thought that is the most serious part of, in my opinion, the, your financial life. Um, because if you've done a good job of saving money, keeping your debt low, managing that lump sum and turn it into predictable paychecks that lets people go out and have predictability in spending, gives them comfort, gives them basically a safety net, a, a backstop. I mean, when life throws them curveballs, that's work that we can truly enjoy. And I still get excited, you know, 20 plus years into it. And my entire team, whether from our operations staff to our advisory team, that's their focus is to make sure that we can keep our clients doing the things that they want to do. And we want to be able to fulfill those promises. Just out of curiosity, Scott, why is this kicking in uh, this like mindset into the distribution phase in year three to 14? It just seems like to me that would be like day one. Don't you have to have that solved for? So it's interesting that he kind of finds that this it doesn't really sink in maybe until year three. Is that just because we're so in tune to this retirement planning world because we talk about it every day on 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 shows and that kind of thing? I think you actually discovered something very important. I think the vast majority of people, this would be true. I am very fortunate that most people come to our firm and want to work with us because they've done a lot of things right. They just want to have a co-pilot along with them to make sure they continue making good decisions. Our clients know out of the gate how much money there is going to go into their into their bank account. Now, do we need to be flexible the first year or two? Yes. Uh, do sometimes do we start consistent income plans after a year or two? Yeah, because once we've kind of get their feet wet, got their feet underneath them, I should say, and they said, okay, this is this is a comfortable spending pattern. That's where I could see twenty four months in, people really are more oriented in what retirement really looks like. But I would say our clients know what they're going to get out of the gate, but we constantly monitor and adjust that, adjust that going forward. Uh, it just doesn't, like a bell doesn't go off in two years and go, oh, I'm going to start distributing my money. Our clients know that far in advance of actually leaving paid work, hopefully. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so then what about uh, number four, stage four? Yeah, and so going into stage four, and so that's around year 15 and retirees enter the last stage, uh, which they call reflection or resolution. Uh, so happiness, contentment, enjoyment remain strong. Even if there's been some downshifting due to health issues, clients have for the most part learned to live within their means and have really remained resilient in the face of loss. And at this point, people get very serious about wanting to talk about the legacy they want to leave. And when you talk about legacy, you know, legacy isn't just about money. Because it's interesting that in a recent study, the people were asked when they're right in that heart of retirement, are you willing to offer financial support to your family, even if it could jeopardize your own financial future? Now, Walter, get a load of this. 71% said yes. Wow. that they would jeopardize their financial future 
to help a family member. I mean, it seems like that comes from a good place, heart-wise, right? Yeah, and it, 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 from you know generational generosity that sacrifices you know our own client financial stability. That's becoming more and more of a bigger topic, and we're exploring that more and more with our clients. But it can be dangerous if we've overcommitted and we overextended and consumed a large amount of resources. Um, because if that money is transferred to bail someone out of an issue, that money is more than likely not going to come back. And so that money is never going to return to generate cash flow in the future. And so again, not saying that we don't want to help people do that. You should have a discussion of what impact that might have if you go down that path. That would be my uh, my advice to you, if you're in a situation where family member needs a bailout, make sure we understand the impact on your overall plan and what it's going to do to it. Any other uh, legacy items that people were interested in beyond the, the financial side and that sacrifice part too? Yeah, and I think actually when they asked about legacy and when they asked about how they want to be remembered, the survey found the top two responses were number one, they want to be remembered for their personal character. And two, they want to be remembered for, by the experiences they shared with their loved ones. So those are the top two. The bottom two, the bottom of the rung, people want to be remembered for their work accomplishments and the wealth they accumulated and bequeathed. Interesting. Yeah. So, so much of the industry talks about legacy as financial resources, but in reality, what People want to have enough to be secure, but the things that they want to impart to the generations are more about who they were, their character, how they lived their lives, the experiences they were able to have with their loved ones. They want to be remembered for those things. Not that Aunt Susan gave us, you know, $150,000 when she died. So I think it's it's good to reflect on that. And and I found that in my practice early when I begin, you know, people that are 65 plus at that time, um, you know, 20 plus years ago, a lot of pensions, a lot of, you know, social security checks. So the money that they had, the the big desire for that generation was, hey, I want, I want to send my kids to school and I want them to be better off financially than we were. That was a very, very big desire for a lot of my clients. And as you shift and go into this more pensionless society, the really in the past 10 to 12 years, the focus has been more, hey, we helped our kids. We sent them to school. We, get, we did those things. We're pointing in the right direction. Uh, the money we have saved is for us to take care of our retirement and health care. And if something is to be left over, then yes, we want it to be to transfer efficiently, effectively, but it's not as strong of a desire as it once was. Um, but I can tell you that leaving that legacy of character and experience, that is still holding true. And I think it's going to increase in importance over time. Very interesting to hear uh, that kind of shift in that kind of change. These are the kinds of things I don't think you hear in the traditional and the typical uh, retirement planning realm. And so uh, glad to hear you be able to break that down on the episode today. Anything else from this article or uh, in the survey that they did that jumps out to you? Yeah, I think they're, and, and we'll cap it with this. 
the survey went to break down retirees into four personality groups. And I thought it was interesting that number one is called the purposeful pathfinders. So those are people who always saved or were financially literate. Uh, that's about 23% of the group. Uh, the second personality group was relaxed traditionalists who started saving a little bit later than pathfinders, but are still doing really well in retirement. And that's about 26% of the surveying group. Uh, number three, were challenged yet hopefuls. So they started saving in their 40s, but are still positive about retirement, about 20%. And that, so this is the first three. And the largest group of the four are called the regretful strugglers. That was 31% of the group. And those regretful strugglers started saving late, if at all, uh, made withdrawals along the way, and now cannot live comfortably on what they have. And so that is, I know, prevalent out there in the world. Uh, with these folks, they tend to be more pessimistic, not enjoying retirement. Uh, they're usually less active, have more anxiety, less prepared. Uh, so it's a tough, tough situation for that, that group of folks. Again, it's about 31% of the, the survey group. Uh, in our practice, we predominantly attract purposeful pathfinders and relaxed traditionalists. That's who we seem to gravitate and are magnetically attracted to. Uh, not saying we can't help the others, uh, but just we are well suited for people that have done the work along the way. They just need help to get this next phase of life to make sure that everything lasts. And so again, those two, the reason we like those folks um, you know, those purposeful pathfinders and relaxed traditionalists, uh, they're the two happiest groups. And really those five, they have five key behaviors that led to happiness and retirement. Uh, they're, they actively maintain their health. They are more socially engaged. They have a clearer sense of purpose. Uh, they're far more mindfully involved in financial strategy and management, and they're willing to course correct as needed to achieve their retirement dreams. And so I always say that you always want your future to be bigger than your past. You always, if you can always have something to look forward to that's bigger than the past, that's what keeps you motivated, keeps you engaged, keeps you, keeps that energy and vitality. Uh, so that's why I think we really like to help those folks uh, and do the best we can with the folks that, you know, fall into the challenge yet hopeful and the regretful strugglers. Um, but again, I think that's a pretty good a sketch. Those five things are a pretty good sketch of the families we serve every day here in our practice with, and all of our team members look forward to, to helping out. Great breakdown of the four phases or stages of retirement, and I uh, love hearing how it fits into uh, the, the average client that you meet with and work with, Scott. And if it sounds like Scott was describing you in some of those different personality traits and qualities and planning styles and saving styles, well, uh, pick up the phone, give Scott and the team a call, see if you all might be a good fit to work with one another. You can get in touch by calling 913-393-4724. Scott is based out of Kansas City, but can meet with clients anywhere in the country. So wherever you are, you can schedule that time to visit remotely if uh, you desire. You can also go to listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com, the home of the podcast, where you can find more information, past shows, and lots of other good stuff there for you as well. And just check the description of today's show for all the contact info that you need. Uh, Scott, we appreciate the help, and thanks for breaking this article down for us, and we'll talk to you again on the next episode. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll talk to everybody again next time right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. 
Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.